0: How can we help you, officer? Dick Jones is wanted for murder. This is absurd!
1: That thing
0: is a violent mechanical psychopath! My program will not allow me to act against an officer of this company. These are serious charges. What is your evidence? I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. Now it's time to erase that mistake. I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. Now it's time to erase that mistake. See, I got this problem. Cops don't like me. So I don't like cops. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Generic Podcast, where we talk about everything horror, sci-fi, and sometimes fantasy. Robocop is perhaps one of the most timeless films to come out of the 80s. And for a lot of people, it holds a very special place in their cinema libraries and in their hearts. Recently, I had the chance to sit down with directors Christopher Griffiths and Eastwood Allen, along with producer Gary Smart, to chat about RoboDoc, the Screenbox exclusive dropping August 29th, titled The Creation of Robocop. They've gone to great lengths to curate all the different behind-the-scenes, goodies, and all sorts of other kinds of trivia questions that you might have. They've worked tirelessly to put together a four-part series. They've worked extensively to set up the four-part docuseries, which I've had the chance to check out. And I gotta say, if you are a RoboCop fan you're not going to want to miss this they go into so much detail and talk to so many different people that have worked on the project it is the most comprehensive documentary about RoboCop to date so without wasting any more of your time let's jump into the interview welcome all thanks for uh, coming on the, the podcast for today how are y'all doing Very Well, Well, thank you, man. So uh, I'm just going to jump right into things since we have a little bit of consolidated time here. Um, So one of the the facets of RoboCop that keeps the movie relevant as far as its themes goes, what do the themes of corporate control and um, corruption mean to you and uh, how relevant it is today? It's something that, uh, you know, the movie came out in 1987 and it's still just still very prominent today. Boom! Right in the
2: defence. <laughs> yeah, come on, Gary. You were going to say
0: something.
1: No, it's, I, I like being in control. Uh, no, I think I think we've seen with the media, you know, and I think particularly with the media nowadays, obviously there's a lot of control there, isn't there? You know, you have all the kind of stuff about fake news and obviously you know TikTok and Instagram. I think that's where the corporate worlds come to with regards to media, and you kind of see that in Robocop, don't you? In terms obviously the media kind of like news flashes and stuff like that. I think maybe if you made Robocop today hopefully this thing will be more on, on the kind of media taking control as opposed to obviously the corporate world so i think it's very kind of prevalent now particularly uh, you know cash is king and business obviously rules isn't it
3: it does yeah i think you could probably just swap dick jones out for uh, elon musk couldn't you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, probably probably have the same sort of film but yeah it's it's definitely it's it's prophetic isn't it and everybody keeps saying the same sort of thing it's it's more timely now than it than it probably was back in the day when it first came out
2: I think for me, what I've found as well, when I'm kind of like religiously looking through social media for what are people saying about Robocop documentary? (laughs) A common thing you do find is like uh, people saying like these sort of jokey tweets going, oh, I just watched this great documentary the other day called Robocop. And it's so true, you know, uh, that's how people kind of jokingly refer to Robocop now. It's like, oh yeah, it's a documentary about the future. Um, And especially as of late, you know, certainly on our side of the pond in the UK, you know with the way the health systems look in the nhs and everything you know sort of being squeezed to its last breath um that there's that kind of element of fear of like oh wow are we gonna the government gonna end up privatizing our health system here so and it's hard to not you know as someone who just constantly lives and breathes and thinks and bores people to death with robocop i'm like oh that's a bit like robocop yes you've said that before babe (laughs) (laughs) It's quite quite freaky, that's the scary thing about Rokal like, oh shit, it's becoming real But if I can get my hats on an Ed 209 You know, as a pet Then,
0: yeah, count me in yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of strange the way that history kind of repeats itself, not only in the sense of, you know, what you read in a textbook, but also the different kind of relevancies that you see within the social commentary and then just how people are reacting to things. And it's kind of like we're in this strange loop. And one of the other things that is a, a very prominent theme in RoboCop is that bigger part of identity. And I think that's one of the reasons why RoboCop remains so timeless. And uh, I was just wondering for the three of you putting this film together, what is something about identity that you can relate to in terms of what's happening now and what kind of put this movie together?
1: We've had a few identity crises over the last
0: seven years. <laughs> we've,
1: we've, all, we've all changed obviously in regards to our, even as filmmakers, you know, for ourselves personally, when well, we started this journey, Uh, We were very different people. That's probably factually true, I believe, of all of us. You know, and I think we've all developed ourselves uh, in that sense, but yeah, I mean, it's a very difficult question. Identity is a very, very, I'm not sure it's like over there at the moment, but over here, it's a very strange concept now, identity in the UK about what it means to be an individual, what it means to be a certain orientation. So it's very, very strange here at the moment. So yeah, over to Chris and Eastwood.
3: God, <laughs> well, I think you you, you think about obviously the, the go-to now is like AI and, and deep fakes, and, and the amount of scenes, the amount of times we see stuff on our Twitter timelines and even on Instagram and the feed of like some sort of Robocop meme that that's that's, that's tweaked towards you know AI and and, and deep faking. And in our industry, you know, we a couple of us work in in, in uh, the media industry and it's scary now, you look at technology, you look at sort of the companies and, and we're at the forefront of like a massive, massive change that's gonna be, you know, they predict in two years time, it's gonna be unrecognizable in terms of like the, 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 the tools that are out there and how much of it you believe, how much of it is true, how much of it is obviously fake. So it, we're, we're living in a, in, a, in a scary time. I'm trying not to be too dour, but like yeah. um, there are obviously themes in Robocop that touch on that as well. So um, it does feel like a bit of a sci-fi movie at, at times. Um, being around
1: at the minute. Yeah, with the strikes, you know, I, I don't understand, I mean, I've used some of that AI, it's like it's scary, you know, in terms of writing. How, you know, I'm no wonder why people are striking and panicking, particularly with the writers. I know, that obviously, he's as, as, uh, sort of had the, the AI in regards to extras and stuff like that, it's just really scary and, <clears throat> you know, it's more, it's more akin to Terminator as opposed to Robocop, what's going on at the moment, but it's kind of, you know, that same kind of realm, isn't it, really, of that corporate takeover.
0: Yeah, and so with the uh, with the way that you know the technology and everything is moving, and the way that AI is going, you know, I've even ha- had talks with some other people that either have been doing uh, different kinds of acting, or they're getting into the like audiobook market. And especially there, a lot of people have been pointing out now that they're like you gotta you gotta watch out for this AI stuff. There's like yeah, people yeah. That, that wanna just hire you to read or narrate, you know, act out one novel and then that's it. And then they're just yeah, like yeah. Oh, we'll take your voice and we'll just make as many books as we want. We'll pay you for this one, but you're not getting residuals well, or anything else you- or anything. Well, we that we signed the
2: release forms, we're legally <laughs> yeah. dead.
0: That's <They're> pretty much <laughs> too <them>. <laughs>
1: You see, with James James Earl Jones has done it with Darth Vader, hasn't he? You know, he's given his voice over now. So when he's long gone, that that character will always be James Earl Jones. Which actually is that fair? And, and obviously he's iconic. But there's obviously the other actors who are voice actors out there who could do that part and get paid for it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like that's you know a strange way of using it for somebody who is using it as a legacy piece more than anything.
0: Mm-hmm. With the the way everything is going, right? With tech and AI is is headed. And you get a lot of these different kinds of dystopian films and science fiction films and horror films that on the surface are entertaining. And so there is a lot to unpack, You know, especially anybody that goes and watches this documentary, they're gonna find out, if they don't already, that there is a lot to unpack uh, from this film. And I think one of the things that is going to resonate with a lot of people even more when they're done watching the documentary is the relevancy in the way that Robocop has been warning people you know it's something that a lot of these films do quite so well and when you start warning people about these kinds of things and telling them to dig a little bit deeper it's like is there going to be a remake I mean I know that they already did um a remake of this film but if they did a remake do you think now it would be as relevant or more relevant or about the same as the original and would it be I, as impactful it's a tough old nut to
2: crack that in terms of i found it more and more i've you know i'll, I'll admit i'm unbiased when it comes to robocop and sequels and series and god knows one cartoons you know i love them all in their own ways But in a way, it's like trying to repeat that lightning in a bottle nature of that first film. And I think, you know, there's the obvious quotes I think you can draw from the documentary. It was the right people at the right time, you know, with the right stuff. And I think, I don't know, it's hard to say in terms of remaking Robocop now, it's more prevalent now, but then it it already exists. So it's not kind of this far-fetched. Ooh, this might happen someday, it's a warning. It would be happening now. So it's almost, I guess, if you were to try and do a new Robocop now, you'd have to maybe have that same mindset operating of like, okay, well, if this is this now, what are we looking at in the next 15, well, 20, 30 years or so, you know? So it's kind of come to fruition now. So I, I don't quite know how it would work because I suppose things like Black Mirror are sort of covering all the bases now in terms of tech phobia and everything like that. Um, whereas I think that's just why, in a good way, you know, retrospectively, Robocop works so well. There's this film from 1987 and yet yeah, all these things like, oh shit, that's what they were saying back then. That's what they were saying back then. You know, whereas now we're, we're a bit more of a reflective, I guess, society in terms of films.
1: The problem with probably we mentioned earlier on is that, you know, when Robocop was made in 87, it, you know, it, the, the fear in the future obviously was, was mechanics and robotics, wasn't it really? Because that's what people thought the future was going to be. Now, obviously it's AI, as I already mentioned. If you did Robocop now, you'd have to be AI, or some sort of, kind of like it wouldn't be a robot walking around, would it? And I think, you know, you'd lose that again. Yeah. So how, how would you then try and, you know, have Robocop in present day? The only way you could do it, I think, is what we talked about before, you know, with Robocop Returns, he's, he's having that sequel, uh, the legacy sequel, bringing him back. And I know there was obviously stuff with Neumeyer about him, obviously being in hibernation, that kind of stuff, uh, and, and being woken up 30 years later. That would work better than a remake, I think, because you can't, as, as both of we said, you can't you know, have light in a bottle twice, really, can you? And you can't replicate that same kind of core story, which was really original in its day, to modern day, because most of what's happening in Robocop, apart from someone being turned into a robot, has happened regards the corporate world. It's all happened. So, you know, I think it's gonna be difficult. I'd rather see a sequel than a, uh, a proper done sequel. But a, a remake.
3: I think part of the charm of Robocop is as well—it's the technical aspect of it. It was—it's how it was made too. I think if you did it today, for it to stand out, you'd want to—and studios would never do this—but you'd want to return to that practical, hands-on, tactile. That's what was so great about it. Was it was a guy walking around in a suit, done to an absolute T, Like there's no better guy in a suit movie. And obviously we're biased because we made the we made the doc and we absolutely adore the film. But I think that's that's one thing that. that, that people still today when they do watch it latch on to is the fact that wow that was so different for the time and you've got it against this you know Dallas standing in for um old Detroit and and it, it it isn't a future looking city it's this future you know you've got future machines and they're talking about futuristic things but it's set in that backdrop and it is just such a unique take on on that content and obviously you've got the director as well i think today you'd have to you'd, you'd really struggle in getting that sort of again lightning in the bottle um concoction that, that chris has already mentioned so that's yeah that, that don't don't remake don't remake robocop i think some of the comics cover cover a lot of the uh, of the uh, sort of future speak as well some of the frank miller stuff's fantastic even like robocop versus terminator the stuff that that's covered in those um as a as a comic fan going through those sort of in my teens they were done really well so yeah, I think you can just keep keep rewatching RoboCop and then watch the documentary after. <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of the things that you know always fascinates me about people that put documentaries together is you get all this, you get all this really cool behind the scenes footage. You get a lot of cool interviews. But one of the things that a lot of people don't do is kind of like flip the camera around and so. Just from each of you, you know, I know you're really passionate about this. What made you all band together and be like, we got to make this documentary and get get some different perspectives out there and the, the deep dives that you guys did for this documentary? Like, what pulled that all together? I'll probably be the quickest. i probably be the quickest because it was Chris. <laughs> was it.
1: <laughs> Chris nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged. So I gave in. That's my. I love Robo RoboCop, but not as much as these guys. You know, I appreciate the film. I love. Character of Dick Jones. I love a baddie. So, you know, and I love the effects. But Chris nagged the shit out of me. And then Eastwood started nagging as well. So that's my take on it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we were it those was. guys like myself and Chris like I, I came on board when Gary and Chris had already met Ed Meyer and had, had conversations about wanting to do a RoboCop documentary and Chris and I are those weather type of fans that were on the RoboCop archive in the early 2000s saving images to our floppy disks on our parents' machines <laughs> like looking for any new behind the scenes photograph or clip it wasn't really clip back then like photographs like grainy little JPEGs and then reading some of the, the forums and we, we, we were obsessed like Chris Chris Watched this film when he was six, a truncated version of the film. I watched it when I was three, a truncated version of the film, um, which my uncle edited. So we we saw it far too young, and and it's just such a layered film where you know you grow up with it as this like action superhero film, and then you realise there's so many different sort of uh, layers to it. So. Um, that was one thing. And then just getting the chance to meet these people that we've looked up to and idolized. And I think we've all seen the documentaries that were already out there, super impressed by them. We loved them. We've we, we seen every every bit of behind the scenes materials, but we just knew there's something missing. And we also knew as well that there were stories that people were sort of glossing over in some of the original EPKs and, and making elsewhere. where it, they were always talking about it being difficult and the heat was hot, and, but it was like, but, but what was difficult? And then yeah. we, we've really sort of digged deep into that stuff and, and we've got the stories, we've got the, the first-hand accounts of, that, that gives you a, a much broader and, and sort of a, a stronger picture of sort of the, the tensions and the stress of making that film. It's a miracle that it even wrapped shooting and, and, and came out the way that it did.
2: And it was originally only going to be like a loving 90 minute, two hour retrospective, and I think it's a testament to the film, you know, the whole layers nature of it, um, and the Herculean effort of Gary and Co. as well producing it. That you know, we 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 originally had 16 people confirmed when we came out to the States to do the interviews, and then we came back with 660 60 people interviews, and then the sequels and everything like that, and. You know, it kind of—I think we wanted to do this deep dive, but then it just—this this this project is just a monster that (laughs) grew on its own. From yeah, it's a ninety-minute retrospective to oh no, it's a four and a half-hour, you know, scene-by-scene dissection. You know, so it's it's kind of organic, really. You know, and it's just very fortunate that. It's us who's done this, which sounds really modest, but you know, talk about right people at the right time, and you know, probably echoes of the film itself as well. The production—it's been very fraught at times. (laughs) So, you know, I I just feel kind of quite cheerful, like holy shit, we've we've kind of replicated history in a different kind of way. Very different climate in the UK, I have to admit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, as far as just um, just I know we're we're kind of running short on time here, so. Uh, one of the things that I always like to try and do, no matter how long the episode is, is just go ahead and ask whoever the guests are on the show what is something that if somebody was going to get into documentary making and putting everything together, what is like one piece of advice that you would give to people that want to start doing this kind of thing? Don't don't give up, basically. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. You know, we've we've been at the
1: very stage of trying to giving up. And it's been very difficult, very stressful. I think, you know, the fact that it's been seven years and there's been lots of complications and, you know, Screenbox have been a massive, massive help in terms of getting this thing out. I think um, we've got loads of problems in terms of, obviously, you know, the the campaign that we ran, that kind of stuff. We could have a whole podcast on that. But in terms of production, I think just don't give up. And and I think, you know, when when we first set out to do it, I remember that first conversation Chris and I had. And then there was somebody who wrote a book on on Robocop uh, A very detailed, well, a book uh, On the making of the film And we reached out to that person Just so you know, we were interested in doing this he got any advice for us And he instantly responded and don't do it I, You know, there's no point in doing it Everything that's being said has being done And we, that actually spurred us on to do it uh, And I think that Based on that conversation It's just grown and grown and grown Obviously, obviously the, the efforts of obviously Eastwood And obviously Chris uh, and that has not been given up. And there's been times where we've had massive rows and tantrums. I think just yeah, that's my advice. But don't give up and plan properly. <laughs> plan a whole schedule of how it's going to work. Don't just think it's going to happen tomorrow because it doesn't happen like that.
2: And I've said it about myself. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I
1: echo. Yeah, you're deep as well.
2: Yeah, no, I echo very much what Gary says about the don't give up. You know, um, we're not the only project that's sort of you know. Taking its time to sort of come out. And yeah, at times, you know, because we're you're balancing day jobs and everything like that, you're like, oh, just, I can't do it anymore. I've got it you know, I've got to pay the bills. But I'm just glad, you know, we're here now at this point. You know, <laughs> we're talking about it. It feels <laughs> somewhat surreal. You're our first interview. So i got to be honest, it's like, holy shit, we're finally talking about yeah. RoboDoc, you know, <laughs> historically yeah. as well, not this thing that's coming out. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, It's like shit, it's actually here. Our seven-year-old child.
3: I think for me just quickly yeah. it's sort of like when you're doing it think about your audience too think about who's going to watch it you're going to have your diehards that are going to be watching it at midnight as soon as it comes out but you're going to have people that are casual fans that will just dip in and out of it and what we've wanted to do with like super fans is tick all of the boxes so if we were watching it and we weren't involved just objectively we'd go oh I didn't know that that's amazing but you don't want to go too into the, the intense hardcore stuff and, mm. and alienate um, general film fans or general sci-fi fans so I think it's having that balance and, and, and that's something that we thought about when we were sort of piecing it together and editing it, is how can you have those gear changes? How can you have those peaks and valleys that make it interesting? Because it is a long documentary. You don't want people zoning out, and and that, it, I don't think anybody's gonna be zoning out when they're watching this. There's, there's, there's The soundtrack's incredible. There's, there's so much going on. The, the cast and, and crew are so candid and honest and open and lively. It's, it's, it's um, a real fun watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially what you're saying with the soundtrack. When I was watching it, I didn't even realize that I had been sitting down and, and watching for as long as I had. It's, it's just kind of like you start, and it's just all this stuff, and then it ends, and you're like, oh, man. But uh, just like, so so one more question. Um, so so Tippett, uh, Phil Tippett had worked on this film. And uh, as most people know, that, uh, that name rings uh, a lot of bells and brings a lot of joy to a lot of people. Do you feel that the movie would not have been as impactful if he wasn't part of the crew? For me, I'll
2: I'll be honest, I think it's everyone. And I don't want to kind of sound too vanilla in saying that. Phil Tippett's work absolutely stands out, but it's hard to not say. I think that's to me why I kind of consider it, and I'm such a big fan, is just how it works on every single level, that film, you know, from the writing to, you know, getting a crazy Dutch director in you know, Peter Weller, for as intense as he is, and quite off-putting to his, you know, fellow cast. You know, if he hadn't been the way he was, you wouldn't have had Robocop the way he was. You know, Rob Bottin, designing one of the most incredible suits ever. It's really, it's, it's, I don't struggle to come up with reasons why I think Robocop's one of the greatest films ever made. But Phil Tippett's work, absolutely. And it's, it's very much, you know, uh, an indication of its time as well. I think, you know, the stop motion, it's almost like the peak of it, really. That and Robocop 2 was pretty much where uh, stop motion did that just before CGI kind of came and went to all of that, you know, and in a good way now, people uh, sort of harking back to that, you know, and Phil's just had his film recently, Mad God, come out after 20 years in the making, you know, and people want to see that again because they hold it with such reverence. And it's real. His stuff's real. You can touch it. You can see it. It's there. Whereas, like, there's just something, somewhat, a bit of a disconnect when it comes to CGI when it's obvious, anyway.
1: It's just overwhelming. That it's, you know, the final thing is it's out. I want people to enjoy it. I know there's been so much hard work from everybody, particularly Eastwood and Chris. And I think, you know, it's their baby. It's finally out in the world. It's just, I'm just looking forward to see the response, really. And and you know, it's been overwhelming. (laughs) Of all all our projects we've worked on, it's probably the one which I think has been the hardest in terms of obviously getting it to this stage Uh, and I think particularly the work the lads have done and Eastwood in the last six months you know, to get it to this stage and get it as four episodes, you know and this is season one, you know, out of of three seasons potentially so it's kind of, it's it's amazing really Uh, no one ever thought we could do it and you know, I remember Eastwood saying to me it's going to be four hours, it's going to be four hours and we go, no, it's going to be 100 minutes and then was trying to convince Lawrence, our sales agent, that it has to be four hours. And I was trying to play Dev's advocate with Eastwood, going on, oh, no, Lawrence thinks it should be 100. And everyone caved in in the end. They went, "Oh fucking, we'll just go along with four hours." And then Screenbox took it on, and it just so I was proven wrong again. So I apologise <laughs> for Eastwood. <laughs>
3: That's all right. I think for us, it was like I don't think anybody's going to tackle Robocop in the same way we did with, getting, yeah. you know. 60-odd people uh, sat down to interview so it's a case of if it's not in our documentary then no one's going to see it and that would be a massive shame yeah, yeah. so that was, that was the push really to get everybody to on board with, with sort of a series which again we're here now so it's it's, it's great to be able to say that.
0: Alright well thank you all thank so much you, for coming out and chatting for a bit. Thanks thank very, you well, very much. It. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Generic Podcast. Make sure to tune in to Screenbox on August 29th to check out the exclusive first part of the RoboDoc, the creation of RoboCop. And until next time, y'all keep being the amazing people, y'all are. You're
3: on your knees about now begging for your life you don't feel so cocky now do you you know what the tragedy is here bob we could have been friends
0: but you wouldn't go through proper channels you went over my head that hurt but life goes on it's an old story the fight for love and glory huh bob Helps if you think of it as a game, Bob, every game has
1: a winner.